Welcome to the weekly message from Rama Family Church. It is our hope that as you listen to this message, you will come to know Jesus better and be established in your faith and equipped for the work of the ministry. You can view the sermon notes and listen online at rhema.org.au. for us this morning in the Word, and if you'll look straight away into Genesis, the 12th chapter, Genesis, the 12th chapter, uh, Tony said that we would be looking about Joshua taking the children of Israel into the land of promise, or the promised land. I watched yesterday on YouTube um, Elvis Presley singing about the promised land. I, I'd heard that song, you know, but I didn't know that it, the name of the song was The Promised Land. But anyway, uh, this is not Elvis's song on the... This is not about California. This is not about L.A. There was another promised land, and it is uh, described in the Bible. It's described in primarily in Exodus and in especially in Joshua, in the book of Joshua. But we're going to look in Genesis, the 12th chapter, because the story goes back a bit further, 12th chapter and verse 1. The Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. The next verse of scripture, I don't have that up there, but through him and his seed, all the families of the earth would be blessed because it would be through Abraham and his family and the nation, the nation of Israel, that Jesus would come. And there is no greater blessing to any human being than Jesus. How many of you have encountered that Jesus is a blessing? Yeah. So he is, it doesn't just bless you individually, but his blessing is to your family and the families of the world. Abraham, we see in verse 4, we won't take time to look at it, but he obeyed. God told him to go. He did go. And uh, then over the next about 130 years, uh, there were many things that happened. Abraham had a, had a miracle child, a promised child child by the name of Isaac. Isaac then had a son by the name of Jacob. He had another one too, but by the name of Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons, uh, and uh, Jacob also had an, a, a very amazing encounter with God. The Bible says he actually wrestled with an angel of God, the angel of God. It was so impacting to him that it changed his name. God changed his name from Jacob, which means a deceiver, somebody that's a swindler, somebody that has a hidden agenda, changed his name to Israel. And that's where the name Israel came with, somebody who contends with God. Anyway, uh, then Jacob had these 12 sons. Those sons then... Um, uh, ended up in Egypt. I'm doing the fast version. Went to Egypt as a result of, a, of an extreme famine. They went there as a family. 
these sons and their wives and children. They went there as a family, and after many years, in, uh, they were at the cream of the crop for a little while at a higher place in Egypt. But then in the end, they became slaves and were slaves for many years and left the nation, not as a family, but actually as a, as a nation. Uh, they left Egypt, excuse me, as a nation. But it, they were a nation that had very little awareness of their identity. There was very little uh, national identity as far as being proud of who they were. They had been slaves. And certainly there was no sense of purpose of why they were. It was through this Exodus experience that God gathered them and separated them from Egypt that they had been planted in a part of that infrastructure and helping to even to build that infrastructure. He separated them to himself and there was this great exodus with signs and wonders. They were delivered from Egyptian slavery. So the book of Exodus in our Bible, uh, there's Genesis and then Exodus. Exodus gives us a great story of what they were delivered from and then, um, and then how they were delivered. And so you get, in the book of Exodus, you get this account of all of these miracles and signs and wonders. It's quite a dramatic book. I like reading the book of Exodus. But uh, for this group of people that came out of, ex out of Egypt, that was really only half of the story. Coming out and the, dra the drama, the miracles and the signs and the wonders was really only half of the story being delivered from Egypt, from slavery. What were they delivered for? Delivered for what? They had been slaves. Their children were slaves. Their grandparents were slaves. Their family members were slaves. Everybody, everybody is in this terrible condition, but, and they were delivered beautifully. But why? Just so that they don't have to be slaves anymore? Why were they delivered? You can put up this next phrase. When you don't know your purpose and where you are going, anything can make you wander and turn around. We'll say it again. When you don't know your, and now this is talking about us in this room and not just the folks in Exodus, okay? When you don't know your purpose and where you are going, Anything can make you wander and turn around. And pretty much that's exactly what happened to the children of Israel once they got out of Egypt with signs and wonders and amazing things. They went through the Red Sea, but even at the Red Sea, when the Egyptians were hot on their trail, they started whinging and complaining. And they told Moses, they said, why did you bring us out here to die? Why didn't you just leave us alone? And, uh, but then, you know, God, God 
split the sea, and they walked through on dry ground. They went around, went, got to the other side, had wonderful worship, praise. Everything was beautiful, but not for too long because where they went through to the, uh, through the Red Sea to was in the wilderness where there were a number of challenges, water being one, food being one, snakes, you know, different things were challenging. And every single challenge that they met, what came out of them because they didn't know who they were or where they were going, having a great sense of great purpose, they started whinging at it. They whinged at what was happening, that they didn't have water, they didn't have food, and then, and then they amped it up to murmuring at Moses. Why did you bring us out here? Were there not enough graves in Egypt that you had to bring us out to the wilderness to bury us here? So they just weren't only whinging. They put that little spin on it with some snarky remarks. And then they, they ramped it up a little bit higher. They wasn't just about what they were enduring. It wasn't just of their leader. They even put their fist in the face of God. You know, they were, they were whinging at God. And what happens when there's not a strong sense of destiny and purpose? Everything can make you wonder and wander. And every single time they brought Egypt up, we were better off we were better off as slaves, better off as slaves. Well, they finally got their way, and uh, didn't. they just ended up dying there. But anyway, let's go on. They were, because um, we're not going to stop there. Aren't you glad we're not going to stop there? We've got some good things to go to. They were delivered from, but they weren't just delivered from, from Egyptian slavery, they were delivered to God's purposes. God never just does something from. He was the God that was. He's the God that is, but he's also the God that is to come. There's always purpose. There's always sequence. There's always elevation. There's always destiny in God. So their, their purpose was to be led into, not just from Egypt, but also into Canaan or the promised land. And that's, that's where we get that terminology, the promised land. The reason it's called the promised land is because God promised it. And I've already given you the verse of Scripture back in Genesis, the 12th chapter, when God first promised it. Well, if you've had opportunity to walk with the Lord for a while, has anyone in here found that God fulfills all the promises that he gives you in 10 minutes? That makes me feel better. <laughs> and it makes everyone else feel better too because it is not so that the promises of God are fulfilled. We have some, some ladies in here who are expectant mothers when that seed is germinated, as we could say, or they conceive a child, the next 10 minutes they don't produce a child. The only thing that produces in a very short amount of time are roaches and maggots. 
The things of God have higher value than roaches and maggots and mice. They're going to cook for a while. How many of you got some promises been cooking for a while? Indeed. So, led into the promised land, they were led out by a man named Moses, used by God. But they were led into the promised land by Moses' assistant. He was a younger man by the name of Joshua. And that's, Tony brought this fact up that Joshua was anointed. We won't go into great detail, but he was anointed because God told Moses to lay his hands on Joshua. And there would be something spiritual that would be transmitted through Moses to Joshua. And so, and we're going to have a laying on of hand service at the end of this month, as a matter of fact. And spiritual things, wonderful things, mighty things happen um, in laying on of hands. But anyway, we're going to go on to this. Uh, I, I just read for, for this weekend, you know, I, I took this last week to just really graze in the book of Joshua. I don't know if anybody's read Joshua recently. But in going back over it, I mean, it has the great stories like Jericho. has some other wonderful and amazing stories. But actually, the reading of it, if you were to, uh, you know, if those, movie, uh, those movie critiques or whatever, synopsis, and they, you can look and see what the language is. You can see what the, the, you know, the violent content is and the sexual content is and the good role model content is and different things. You can see them uh, rated. The book of Joshua would, would actually have like, like maybe four stars. <laughs> it's a bit violent, I have to say. It's a bit violent, which can beg the question, why... Why was God wanting the children of Israel to have these battles and wars? I mean, he's such a God of love. Why is he telling, their, telling them to, to fight and to conquer and to take the land? This land of promise. Because the land of promise wasn't just, you know, a piece of real estate tied up with a beautiful bow. And they just went and just opened it and everything was there. Actually, the land of promise was crawling with giants and vile people whose religions steeped them in the worship of gods that defiled them in their reproduction. Very vile. And the country that God said is your present, is your promised land, is absolutely swarming with this kind of diseased people. And he said, here, it's a wonderful gift. Um, in our time of history, where you and I fit into the human uh, time continuum, you know, or where humans ha have been on the planet. We find ourselves in a very unique time. We entertain ourselves with times gone by when there was, you know, maybe the Roman Empire 
or the Assyrians or the Babylonians and and the Achaeans or whatever their names are, Akkadians. That's about as far as I'm going to go. <laughs> and um, and then a, a lot of our a lot of our um, ancestors. If anybody here was from from Europe, how about the British Empire? How about how about the wars that they did in on the on the on the uh, continent of Europe itself? It, there was such conquest and fighting over land, over people. We don't have that now. Every once in a while, you know, you see there's different kind of wars, but not like, you know, when people were uh, imperialistically taking land, conquering land, and it was okay. We even entertain ourselves by watching those days of Alexander the Great and different ones. It was a different time. So when we look at Joshua, the book of Joshua, it was in a whole different time when, when land and the borders of human um, cultures and ethnic groups were very much in flux based upon who conquered, the stronger people. And that's, that's, where, Joshua, uh, that's where Joshua finds himself. And that's where we find the book of Joshua and why it looks so stark and violent to us now when we read it. It was different in those days. But why did God want a land? Why did he want a land? He already had Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and the 12 sons. He already had a group of people. Why did he want this land? Well, I'm just going to give you just a few reasons, and you can look at this to grow. Look at this. To grow a nation. Now, they had populated in Egypt, but they did not have a national identity in Egypt. He wanted them to grow as a nation, look at this, for more protection and safe environment for the seed. The seed? The seed, yeah. What seed? The very first promise of the Bible is in Genesis, the third chapter, and verse 15. The very first promise that God ever said to the first people, Adam and Eve, was that through the seed of a woman would come someone who would crush the serpent's head and would redeem us. Aren't we thankful for that great promise? Well, that seed didn't just shazam, happen. Where this all started beginning to unfold is in this family of Abraham. So this seed then is going to, to come over many, 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 many Gentiles until finally we just came through the Christmas season. That seed then, uh, that seed then came through Mary at, when she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Now, look at this. To grow a nation for more protection and safe environment for the seed. What happens with the nation of Israel as it grows in this land of promise 
is it becomes like a vault or a safe place for this seed against the contaminants of false gods and religions and the contaminants of the ways of worship which always went sexual. In this nation of Israel that had defining laws that came from God as the best way for humans to live, don't kill, don't steal, don't take things that aren't yours, including somebody else's wife or husband or oxen or whatever. He gave the best way. It wasn't just to give rules to people. It also provided a safe environment for this seed. Because this seed, this human that is going to be born, is the only human that will ever be born that has the ability to save every other human. The price and the value of this seed is incalculable. And so God provided not just a little box to put the seed in. He provided actually a whole nation to put the seed in. So he makes a land for this, this nation of Israel to grow and to develop. Now, let's look at a second reason. We could say more about that, but let's go on. The number two reason here is the, the, the Israelites were to be a light to the rest of the nations of, a, of, of what it looks like for a group of people to have God among them. The healing, the provision, the the care, the, the cleanness, the glory to be a light to the nations. And more could be said about that, but let's look on to the next one. That this nation also would be significant in the end time and in the next dispensation. So much so that this piece of real estate, that if you can look up at this next picture, go ahead and look at that. This piece of real estate, not that one. Uh, uh, actually, uh, the one that has a line. Do we have another one? Hmm. Okay, my, uh, anyway, let me just tell you about it. <laughs> yeah, go ahead and put that last one up. Uh, not, okay, this one here, yeah. The, uh, the land around that you see where Israel is now, but there was a wider, wider boundary that God defined for the promised land. don't have that, but the uh, a wider land mass or a, a, a portioned out for the promised land. Now, this portion of land is one of the most controversial places on the planet. There are wars and there's all kinds of stuff going on all over the world, but it's not all in the news. What is in the news on nearly a daily basis are, um, is this teeny little piece of real estate. It has always been fought over. Kingdoms have risen and fallen based upon this. 
It's been an amazing piece of land, and it will continue to be not only in our time, but even in the next dispensation. It's really quite, quite amazing. Now, I, I wanted to show you this just because this doesn't have to do with the sermon. I just thought it was interesting. Um, you would think by how much controversy is in the news regarding Israel and this piece of land and also the Israelites defending this piece of land that it must be really, really amazing and huge. It's not. You'd also think that maybe other people don't have enough land and there's a, a land problem and so they actually need the land that Israel has to be able to accommodate. But actually, there's quite a bit of land <laughs> in the nations around. I just found that interesting. Now let's go on. Because what is significant about this land of promise for us today? As we've talked about maybe in different times, examples and stories in the Old Testament aren't just for bedtime stories and for children's stories. Uh, the Holy Spirit, through Paul, said that they're actually, these stories in the Old Testament are given for us, for examples, for us, so that we know how to interact with God, especially as it's getting towards the end of time. Well, that's, there's nobody that's been so close to the end of time as where we are right now. Egypt. Egypt. What is Egypt mean for us? Okay, it's a, it's a country. But is there a spiritual meaning? Well, in the Bible, Egypt was always a type or an example or a picture of the world or even the kingdom of darkness, okay? And we're not saying Egyptians are that. I'm saying the stories of Egypt in the Old Testament were a picture of the world or the kingdom of darkness. What about the Exodus? What is not just the book of Exodus, but the act, the experience, the miracle of the Exodus of the children of Israel coming out of Egypt? It's a picture of our new birth. The children of Israel couldn't deliver themselves. And you and I, I don't care how good you are at turning over a new leaf on a, on a new year's. You might be able to successfully turn over a new leaf and do a good thing in the next year, but no one of us could ever get out of the kingdom of darkness. None of us could save ourselves. Somebody had to save us. Somebody had to come and get us and get us out. Different ones of us had different kinds of slavery and problem, but I'm telling you what, all of us needed a Savior. And we're so thankful that Jesus saved us. He got us out. What is the Red Sea? Red Sea is a type of baptism. When they got out of the Red Sea, then they went into the wilderness. And as they went through the wilderness, went up to the promised land, the border of the promised land, and they looked into it. They sent a, 12 spies in to look at it and they came back with a report of what I'd already described. They said, it's not a big, nice package wrapped up in a, in a nice, tidy bow. There are giants and walled cities and 
and crazy people in there. There's enemies in there. We can't go in there. So what if God said that's our land? So what if God gave a promise? We can't do it. We can't do it. Okay, so that's what happened. And um, so they ended up staying in the wilderness then for another 40 years. What does the 40 years mean to us? I mean, what does the wilderness mean to us? What is that a picture of us, for us? Well, when we ever say a wilderness experience, anybody ever heard somebody say that or maybe use that ex it terminology? I've had a wilderness experience. Let me just tell you what the Bible has to say about the wilderness. It would be nice to hear what the Bible has to say. And we're only going to look at two verses of Scripture, but actually there are many verses of Scripture primarily in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 1, Deuteronomy 4, 5, and 6. If you look at those, repeatedly it says, the reason I had you in the wilderness is to teach you my word. The Bible, uh, the Bible describes the wilderness as a Bible school. They didn't, they couldn't pass and become compliant, so they just kept on going around and around and around and learning and learning and learning. This new group of people kept on learning and learning and learning. If you'll look at this verse of Scripture in Deuteronomy 4 and verse 1, do the wilderness, how many of you love the story of when bread came out of heaven every, every, every morning? Don't we love that? It's amazing. God's provision with Manna coming out. How about water coming out of a rock? How about, how about uh, when the snakes were biting and, and God said to put the brass serpent on a pole and anybody who would look at it would live? How, how, how many of us love the story of the cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night? We all love that. You know where all of those things happened? In the wilderness. All of those things happened in the wilderness. All of those things were teaching tools and they were ways of exposing the nature of God to care and to protect. Yeah. But, look at Deuteronomy 4 and verse 1. It says, Now Israel, listen carefully to these decrees and regulations that I am about to teach you. Obey them so that you may live now keep going so that you may enter and occupy the land that the Lord your God of your ancestors is giving you. I'm teaching you things, people. Why? So that you can think, oh, that was a great sermon. Oh, that was exciting. Oh, I just feel so much better. No! <laughs> I'm teaching you something so that you don't do the thing that the folks did before when they went up to their land of promise and there were a couple enemies on it and they freaked out and said, the promise isn't true and they backed off. I'm teaching you something and I'm teaching you again so that whenever you find difficulty, impossibility, instead of caving in, you buck up and you said, God said it, and if God said it, he's going to bring it to pass. God has to develop a group of people who take God at his word 
when it doesn't look like any a thing that God said is true. But it is true because God said it. So now keep going. Look at Deuteronomy 1 and verse 8. Look, I'm giving you, I'm giving all this land to you. Go in and occupy it. Take it. For it is the land the Lord swore to give to your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to all their descendants. The promise came as early on as Genesis, the 12th chapter. This is hundreds of years before. And now, here they are. They've been learning the promise, learning the word, learning the word. What for? So they could just carry the, the tablets of stone that came down from Mount Sinai around in a box and look at the cloud by day and the fire by night and say, ooh, ooh, the glory. Ooh, the miracles. Hey, those miracles are meat to help fortify because we've got a job to be done. There's a land to be taken. Okay? So what does the promised land signify for us? On an individual basis, on an un a basis, a family basis, we could say, we could say on a group of people, a, a church family, or a church proper as a whole, people that call Jesus Lord all over the world. What does this promised land mean to us? Well, we used to think, uh, when I was a little girl, we used to think that the promised land was heaven. Going Because there were some old songs about the promised land being heaven. But there aren't any giants in heaven. Aren't you thankful? There aren't any enemies in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Heaven is not the promised land. Heaven is, a, heaven is a different place. The promised land is a place to multiply and to gain kingdom identity and dominance over the works of the enemy. We're not looking to dominate nations of people or we're not looking to dominate other humans. But we are looking to carry out the very purpose that Jesus came. And he came to destroy the works of the enemy. He came to give life and life more abundantly. He did come. And his body that we are now here in the earth, praise the name of the Lord, we've got a job to do. And it's our promised land. There are good things in it. Now, so the promised land signifies God's promises. Say God's promises. And the book is filled with promises. Filled with promises. Maybe you have one of those things on your, on your table where there's a promise a day, you know, a, a little card. It can fill a whole, whole thing where you can look at a promise every single day. The book is filled with promises. And sometimes we're not feeding on promises. We're feeding on problems. But anyway, there's no way you're getting out of the wilderness unless if you're feeding on problems. You got to feed on promise. But that doesn't mean, just feeding on promise doesn't mean that you don't have a fight. Okay, here we go. 
This promised land signifies God's promises and the blessings that Jesus paid for with his blood. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. That Jesus paid for with his blood. I, I, I'm going to uh, just share something real personal. Uh, I'm... Um, have had some had some space in between it, but and looking back and reflecting, you know, especially at the end of the year of different things that we're thankful for, I had um, uh, about two years ago a report of cancer in my body, and I remember having absolutely zero fear because the of, of a promise the Lord gave me before I even discovered the situation, the lump, and then finding out the. The, the diagnosis of it. I had zip, zero fear. But I remember having this thought. Could really be good to go to heaven. I had that thought. I thought, man. And I was remembering different people who have gone there that I love. There's not, there's no more fighting there. You're home. You're scot-free. <laughs> I remember thinking, man, it would be nice to go. And then the Holy Spirit, say, then the Holy Spirit. I don't know if anyone in here has ever thought that you would love to go to heaven. I mean, sooner than later. But I did. I had, to, I had a genuine thought about it. And then the Holy Spirit reminded me of what Jesus bled and died for to give me as a promise. To give me as a blessing and a right. And the Holy Spirit reminded me that I knew the truth about what Jesus did. And that I would not want to die in refusal to acknowledge and to put up a stand for what I believed when what I believed was being contested. It's easier just to go, you know what? Ha. <sighs> It just is easier sometimes, isn't it? I thank God for the Holy Spirit that says, come on, Patsy, stand up. <laughs> stand up. You've got a promised land. You may be crawling with, with enemies, but I promised you that. I paid for it. Now you go take it. And I'm with you to go take it. He can't take it for us. Something about the promised land is it didn't come to the children of Israel in the wilderness. The promised land didn't come across Jordan to them. No. The promised land, you have to go to. So people that are saying, if God wants me to have it, I'll have it. If God wanted me to have this blessing, he'll give it to me. If God wanted it, he would have it. Well, 
There are some things that you don't know is his will, but when you know what Jesus bought and paid for, when you know a promise has been given to you, you don't have to wait for that promise to come to you. You can step over just like Joshua led the children of Israel over the Jordan River or through that Jordan River into a land that was saying, uh-uh, uh-uh, you can't have it, you can't have it. You go into that land emboldened with the promise itself and say, I'm not taking it because I've earned it. I'm not taking it because I deserve it. I'm not taking it because I'm so something. I am taking it because God said, it's mine. And in honor of God, that he is not a bald-faced liar, in honor of God, that he keeps his word, I will stand up on the promises of God and I will take what belongs to me that he says belongs to me. It makes you bold. It doesn't make you eh, whatever. There is this wonderful, like we were singing, uh, where we surrender to the will of God, whatever your will is. But when he has made clear his will, he needs somebody to say, I believe it. Even if everything looks like it cannot be, all right? So now, it's not uncommon for any of us to doubt God. And what makes us doubt the creator of the universe, the one who is true and cannot lie? What makes somebody like you and I doubt him, look in his face and say, uh, no, nah, I know you said it, even in writing, uh, not going with it. It's because what we see and what we hear, what we feel, is so real. Has anybody ever been convinced by your senses? I have. They move you to doubt. So look at this, what the Bible says in Hebrews, the third chapter. It says, be careful then, dear brothers and sisters. Make sure that your own hearts aren't evil and unbelieving, turning you away. Look at this. It doesn't just say from the promise. It says from the living God. Why? Because God and his word are one. You say, you mean I, I, I will um, lose my salvation if I doubt a promise? Oh, no. It's those promises, though, that give you the ability to become partaker of the divine nature. There's a part of God that that promise gives you the ability to eat or to take. If you don't eat that promise or take that promise, that's just a part of him that you don't have. Some people are in that God would meet your needs according to your... How dare us even think that God would take care of us financially? Don't be bothered with those promises then. 
promises are for people who believe them. Do you see what I mean? Or any other promise. His promises don't pester people who don't take them. But if you will believe them, even though it doesn't look like it could even be, look at this. Verse 19 at Hebrews 3 says, So we see that because of their unbelief, they were not able to enter his rest. In the book of Hebrews chapter 3 and 4, the Bible uses the word rest in, um, in place of the promised land because the pr place of promised land was a place of promise. You know, I like that song. We'll probably sing it. I will rest in your promises, your faithfulness. I think it's the other way around. There's a cha-cha anyway. Anyway, we'll get the words up, and then we'll all be able to sing it. So, unbelief. Listen to this. Unbelief is what keeps us out. And problems and circumstances are designed to get us and move us into unbelief. But there is, praise God, an option for doubt, and it is belief, and it is faith. And it is trust. Let me give you this verse of scripture before we close today and before we move into this next part. Romans 4 and verse 20 says, No unbelief or distrust made him, it's talking about Abraham, waver, doubtingly question concerning the promise of God. But he, Abram, or Abraham, grew strong and was empowered by faith as he gave praise and glory to God, fully satisfied and assured that God was able and mighty to keep his word and to do what he had promised. Don't you love that? So instead of the passing of time wearing him down, Abraham down, the Bible says that he actually grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God. You don't have to give glory to God for the giants. You didn't give glory to God for the walled cities. But thank God you can give glory to God that God has given you a word that cannot change. Hallelujah. And the more you give glory to God, it emboldens, it strengthens, it empowers you so that at the end of a faith journey, what I mean by a faith journey is when God first gives you a promise and then when that promise is fulfilled. You like those journeys to just be short, like from, from Logan to Brisbane City. But sometime it isn't from Logan to, to Brisbane City. It's like from Logan to Adelaide and, and by a route that's through Alice Springs. Yeah, but if you've been giving glory to God at the end of your faith journey, you're not like. No one who ever came to the end of a faith journey came in like that. You don't come in like, you don't come in. You just, you faint somewhere along the way. We reap with joy. And joy doesn't come from the giants. Joy comes from the promise 
that will absolutely not change right in the face of an ugly work-faced giant. Picture that. Let's read the last verse. I publicly, boldly uh, proclaim Isaiah 54 in verse 19. I publicly proclaim bold promises. This is what God is saying to us this morning. I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. God isn't mumbling his promises and hoping that you don't catch it. So that you, he says, I, I think you didn't get it right. Because what you're asking for, what you're talking about is impossible. Oh no, God is saying exactly what he's saying and he's saying it really bold. Bold promises, I do not whisper obscurities in some dark corner. I would not have told the people of Israel to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. Praise the name of the Lord. If you guys can come, dear Heavenly Father, I'm just so, 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 so aware of the various promises that people are standing on for many, many different areas. Some people for multiple areas in their lives. Some people, um, I've forgotten the promise. Some people have been looking at the problem a bit more than the promise. There are some people in here who don't have a promise yet and you want to speak into them. You have words to say that guarantees that there is a, a promised land for them. Hallelujah. I ask you, Father, that every person is infused with courage and hope. Hope, yes, that no matter what things have been like, hope abides. And as the promise comes, you who give the promise cannot fail. Help us to be bold takers of the promise, responders to the word of God. And I want us to pray as a prayer right now. I want to pray a prayer right now regarding uh, not just our individual lives. So if you'll just listen to this prayer and I'll give you an, in, an opportunity in the end to say amen. Father, one of the promises of your word is in Psalms, the second chapter in verse 8, that says, ask of me and I will give you the heathen for your inheritance. A blessing. People who don't know me, you're to, we're to ask of you. And so, Father, this morning as a church, we ask that the people that don't yet know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, that Jesus will become very clear to them and labors actually would be sent to them and the, the ground of their heart would be softened by the presence of God in Jesus' name. We thank you. It is your desire. It is your desire that all men come to repentance. And so we pray that for our, our towns, our cities. We pray that for Logan, for Brisbane. We pray that for 
for all the suburbs around in between here and the Gold Coast, for wherever we're from, we pray for a great harvest of souls in 2019. Can you agree with me on that? We ask for that. Lord, there are promises for our individual lives and for our well-being that we want to be bold to take. But we don't, we, we don't want it to only be about us and our well-being. We want the well-being and the eternal well-being of people who don't let, let, yet know the Lord. We ask for a great harvest in Jesus' precious name. This year in our, in, in our church, in the body of Christ, in our individual lives, lead us to people that we can lead to Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now this morning at the end of this service, which we're at the end, but I want us to sing this song as we go today that um, the worship team will lead us in. Um, the worship or the ministry team will be up here in the front. If you don't have a promise regarding a struggle in your life, come up here. They won't just pray for you. They'll actually look in the word. There's a promise for you today. The Holy Spirit's going to give you a word. Hallelujah. And even among our church family, I believe God's, God's uh, giving promises today. And then there's promises that some have forgotten. And God's going to remind you of those promises today. In Jesus' name. If you, uh, if you want to ask the Lord Jesus to be the one in your life that you follow, the rest of your life, also come. If you want to come back to the Lord because you've gotten all confused and, and out of sorts and you've started following some weird roads, come back home today. Today is your day. Hallelujah. But let's stand up on our feet. And um, uh, at the end of this service, Trista, if you'll come and also uh, Jeff Caldwell, we would like to pray for you guys today at the end of the service. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening. We're always encouraged to hear how God is using this ministry to change lives. If you have a story you would like to share about how God is working in your life, please let us know and send us an email at church at If you would like more information or resources on this or other topics, or if you would like to sow into this ministry financially to help us share messages just like this one each week, please visit our website at rhema.org.au.